Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's the Philosopher's Stone podcast with your hosts, Jordan Strauss and Sam Laboon. Never really on, uh, you're never really <laughs> there for that one. Not, whatever, that's fine. You all know who it is. You already know. You already know who it is. How's it going, Sam? Good. I just ate a amazing freshly baked cookie. Yeah, I can hear it still lingering in your jowls. Oh, shit. <laughs> Excuse me. You got sticky jowls right now. Is peanut butter? Was it egg, double peanut butter, double chocolate chunk, you fat fuck? It was a uh, vanilla cookie loaded up with uh, M&M's. Oh, that sounds so good. Yeah, it was good. I would love to eat that. Yeah, yeah this, this cookie shop is open till 2 o'clock in the morning and 3 in the morning on Fridays. Oh, my God. What time do they open up? Bakeries. It's going against the grain because bakeries have a uh, reputation for opening up first thing. You know, people on the way to work, not on the way home from the bar. They're flipping the script. And I like that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's because uh, I think cookies are more of an afternoon, evening kind of thing than a morning thing. They're a little bit decadent, too decadent for a pre Yeah, like for breakfast, you get a Danish maybe or a donut, but cookies are like for later in the day. They have more of a snack feel to them. Yeah. I mean, I man, when I have cookies, if I get a nice oatmeal chocolate chip cookie, I will eat that for breakfast. I'm not going to lie. Dick, uh, dunk it in my coffee. Oh, yeah. That's got oatmeal in it, so that's, that's practically healthy It's practically oatmeal. It's practically a bowl of oatmeal. You're right. Yeah. Um, what else is new? Anything to report? Have you been, You've been involved uh, in a stand-up comedy competition. How has that been shaken out? Well, uh, I'm still in it. I am currently 12th out of 13. Out of how many? And out of 13 remaining, oh. I'm number 12. Is um, that your rank? Oh, no, sorry. There's uh, 19 people left in it. Oh, shit. Six, of, six of them have not performed yet. And I'm currently 12. So if uh, two of them do better than me, if two of the six people who performed do better than me, I'm out of the competition. What was the if original amount yeah. of people? The original amount was 91. Well, there you go. You're already a winner, Sam. Good for you. I didn't bring any audience either, so I didn't I didn't get any bonus points for bringing audience. That's the way you should do it, really. Any self-respecting comedian should do it that way. Yeah. Although, when there's a lot of money on the line, I do invite people. <laughs> yeah, there's a thousand dollars. I should have pushed people to come a bit more. But I know uh, a few months ago, I came second uh, for a thousand dollar prize, was first place, and it was like, uh, oh, it was so close. It was like it was audience vote, which I think is, I think if you got a thousand dollars, do they like mark down points for what you're doing? Uh, they do in this round, but for the final, they have uh, judges. I think I think judges do it. I don't know exactly how it works. The rules are a little opaque, but well, they always are with comedy competitions. Yeah. But uh, I lost a thousand dollars to uh, Stuart Jones, who deserved it. He nice. did win, but it was very nice. close. Too close for me to want to be like uh, leave it up to some guy that's losing his hearing and just listening to audience reaction. It's like all mm. right, because you could have a lot of people near the front that like one guy and the people at the back like the other guy and then you're losing a decibel or two right on the way mm-hmm. so and that sometimes is a yep. difference. but in that case i think he really he did really beat me but it was close it was very fucking close yeah. 
Um, Sometimes if you go up at the beginning, the room isn't like fully warmed up yet. And then mm-hmm. people There's go also up at the, the end. Uh, the, room memories, the, the memories of audiences are very short with comedy. So the last person to mm. go up has a significant advantage. Yes, that's definitely true. The last person and the, the first person if they crush, but yeah. So usually don't. whatever. Thousand dollars <clears throat> is like I don't I don't want audience vote. I want uh, I want audience vote, but I want like a systemized uh you know number. Like vote, get down to the final two, then have a written vote, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um yeah. but whatever. There's another one coming up next month, I believe I'm on, so I'm gonna try and redeem myself. Anyways, other news. I should be releasing my debut comedy album hopefully tomorrow afternoon. Breaking news. Breaking bum, news. Bum, bum, bum. I'm, so what I'm doing, as I, what I did is I, because I didn't want to try and build my own website and then have it not function properly because that would be a huge, mm-hmm. uh, huge mistake uh, for launches because, you know, people will hear about it. They'll go to the website. It doesn't function properly and then they never go back. Right. So I wanted to get some, someone that had a little bit of credentials, but I couldn't spend a thousand dollars either. So. It was suggested to me by our very wise and funny mutual friend and colleague in comedy, Matt Baker, to use Fiverr. So ah. I went on Fiverr to hire someone, and I went to like one of the highest recommended people on Fiverr. Um, great reviews. It's, they can do everything it says. They've done a bunch of jobs. I'm looking at other people. And uh, so I hired that person. And they are now almost three full days late on their delivery. So <laughs> well, you're only paying I'm, them five bucks, though. So. <laughs> no, I, I'm paying them over a hundred bucks. Not everything on Fiverr oh. is five bucks. It's uh, oh. it's over a hundred bucks for um, oh Jesus the package I ordered. Yeah, Fiverr is just yeah. the name. You can go as low as five bucks, but most stuff is actually if you want a good what done. Oh, well, it's you, a five dollar minimum. I th- oh yeah, I think so. Well, Fiverr, oh, I think it started I- off where it was a five dollars was the main thing, right? And then as the site grew, like uh, I'm looking Corporate at her, pre- took over. her premium package is over three hundred dollars. So Jesus. But anyways, yeah. she's a little late. I'm a little nervous. She stopped talking to me, like she stopped responding to my messages, and then finally I heard back from her today, and then she said uh, it would be done today, and it's still not done. So <laughs> <sighs> did you put, did you pay them already? I can withdraw my payment if they don't deliver. Uh, so I'm oh, okay. Uh, I get it. I'm just giving her till like tomorrow. I want to tomorrow was what I would hope to announce the album and have the website online. But at this point, it's like I'm probably going to have to get her to do some revisions on it. So I don't know if tomorrow is going to be the day, um, in which case I'll probably relate till next week. But whatever, it doesn't really matter when it comes out as long as it functions properly when it comes out. And then I will begin to promote it uh, aggressively. And uh, that's that. So there's a chance. You got to pay as much for the marketing as you pay for the uh, production. Maybe even double. Well, I'm going to pay more for the marketing, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, But by the time this podcast comes out, jordanstraussecomedy.com might be online so well this is uh, going to be out within minutes of us wrapping it up so oh well actually it depends on when you send me the file so you could you decide when, when this podcast comes out <laughs> uh we'll see I, i'm gonna give sharon the benefit of the doubt that she's gonna deliver <laughs> what she promises 
I think it's a little bit more complex because it's a donation button, as in like a pay what you want for the digital download. And I think that maybe... Oh, just make like, sure she's not routing the donation button to her bank account. Yeah, that would be... <laughs> I mean, I thought of that last night at like 3 a.m. And I was like, how do I even stop that? How do I even stop that from happening? Like, how would I even know if she's doing that? Do you have like a written contract or something? Well, whatever Fiverr is as a contract. <laughs> but she, she, she does e-commerce websites for people all the time. So she okay. should be... Uh, she should be okay, right? Yeah, sure. Fuck. I'm getting fucking screwed here. Whatever. Nah. Eventually this album will come out. Um, I mean, the the reviews are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you uh, can put some nice, nice uh, stingers on the poster. I do have the album cover made, which I am a fan of. Um, anyways... It's going to be coming out within the next couple of weeks, uh, guaranteed. Because if she can't deliver, I'm going to get someone else to do it. And then, uh, yeah. So that's where I'm at. Uh, how are, uh, what are we doing? What are we talking about today? Do we have a plan? Yes, we do have a plan. Um, so, yeah, so I picked a, uh, a topic and more of a topic. I guess it's like a topic that's, originated from one one writer and it's become like a very popular term and that's hegemony i've heard the word hegemony yeah h-e-g-m-o-n-y not really sure what it means though yeah apparently yeah i I think probably most people don't know what it means um but we're going to be talking about that it is the the idea was thought up by an italian communist named antonio gramsci Gramsci. Gramsci. That's a sweet, uh, that's like equally sweet and disgusting. Gramsci. <laughs> Gramsci. Gramsci. Yeah. Um, Italian communist. All right. Was it, it, was Italy communist during the World War era? No, they were fascist. Mussolini was a fascist. So when, okay, because nowadays no one wants to admit to being fascist, even though there are fascists. Were they openly fascist? Yeah, they were like proud fascists. Like they were like they we were are proud, proud to call themselves fascists. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. No, it was it was like very in vogue at the time in Italy. It was a big deal. Germany, obviously. Mm-hmm. America, they tried to make it happen, but it didn't work. Yeah, I saw some pictures of a Nazi rally in Madison Square Garden the other day. It's like yeah, wild, eh? Really, like you would imagine, you would never. I don't think the layman person would ever think that Nazis had that big of a presence in the United States. No, they they were they were big and they were very uh, influential on the isolationist movement. They were much they were either like stay isolationist or join the war on Germany's side. Oh, okay. Man, could you imagine that? Crazy. <laughs> I was wa- reading some uh I don't know. It was probably on Reddit. Uh, <laughs> Seinfeld never would have happened. That's for sure. No. <laughs> God, no. no. It would not. Which would have been a tragedy in its own right. <laughs> Seinfeld would be a, a yeah. horror movie. <laughs> Someone was saying yesterday on Reddit, I think, that if Trump had won the, his second term, it's potentially possible that he could have joined Russia to conquer Ukraine. No way. That, that would be impossible. Well, actually... 
Actually, no, because Ukraine isn't part of the European Union or NATO. Yes. And then someone else said he probably wouldn't have done that, but he might have left NATO, leaving Europe uh, more exposed for invasion. That's believable, yeah. That would be the most insane thing that any U.S. president has ever done. Leave NATO? Leave NATO, yeah. I like think geopolitically, be that, that would be the most insane More thing insane ever. to join Russia, like send U.S. military. Zelensky would be dead. Ukraine's yeah. would be completely decimated, or they would have just given yeah. up right away. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, oh, it's it's wild. He 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 would have he would have done that too. I believe. Oh yeah, he's uh, did he get nominated as the Republican candidate again? Did I read that? No, they're not there yet. They're not there yet. They're oh. uh, they're all starting to start their campaigns up. It'll this be interesting if DeSantis. Uh, and when when DeSantis announces he's running, then it'll get it'll get wild like it was back in 2016. As far as like uh, the Republicans uh, talking so the much. The Republicans shit. all just like Trump just calling all of them names and yeah. just super vicious and all of the, the news media saying, oh, Trump is bad, blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as he gets the nomination, they'll all just start kissing his ass again. Do you think that Trump will get the nomination again? Ooh, tough question. The establishment hates him, but they hated him the first time too. Yeah, so, they did. We'll see. He's so now popular. we know his tricks. So now we know his tricks, right? Feels like we kind of uh, we, he's a one trick pony, and we all are uh, kind of privy to his. Those tricks are going to work, though. They're going to work as long as they don't. Uh, if, as long as they don't like the the only reason they lost, in my opinion, is because they said they didn't want to do mail in ballots, and they're like obsessed with voting in person and saying the election's rigged and stuff like that. So half their supporters don't think. There's any point in voting because they think it's rigged, and <laughs> it, it's it's so dumb. Like, <laughs> but anyway, that's fucking talk about a backfire. They really shot themselves in the foot with that. Yeah, I wish it was the head. Anyways, let's go <laughs> forward on this uh, hegemony. All right, yeah, Antonio Gramsci. So he was a Italian communist. He was imprisoned by fascist authorities for all of his political writings. He was like a journalist and stuff. And when he was in prison, that's when he wrote about hegemony in his prison notebooks. And so he wrote these between 1929 and 1935. Hmm. He was in prison that whole time. Yeah. And uh, that was when fascism was really starting to take hold around the world. Man, people really were writing fucking books in prison back then, hey? <laughs> like, Yeah, the criminals are way smarter back then. <laughs> <laughs> How many people are writing fucking culture-altering books in prison these days? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, the famous other one, right? Mein Kampf, Hitler wrote that yeah, in prison. Yeah, that's what I'm referring to. It's like... Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. But um, on the flip side, Nelson Mandela wrote a, a book in prison. That's true. I think. Who was that guy that wrote, like, he wrote a book in prison, but he also like wrote a bunch of stuff with his own feces on the wall and stuff. And he Marquita was like, oh. he was the guy that was like, just shit, fucking eat and punch people in the face until you die type of guy. Oh, Charles Bronson. No, Marquis, I think he was Marquis de Sade, the Marquis de Sade. I think that's who it is. Yeah. He wrote he 120 days of Sodom. Yeah. 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 That's how I mean, that sounds like. Yeah. Josephine. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he, uh, yeah, he, he was a rich guy. I forget what he did, but yeah, he, I think he was just like a sex criminal, sex fiend. Still wrote a book. 
Still wrote a book. Wrote his philosophy. Why I did yeah. it. Why? <laughs> <laughs> it would make this book even better if I wrote it in my own shit. <laughs> see, yeah. see Hitler do that. That's a struggle on its own. That's a fucking no, that's a, that's a struggle on its own, right? You gotta have oh the right God. consistency, yeah. right? You gotta you gotta mm. plan your diet Ooh. around your ink. Oh god. That's disgusting. <laughs> <clears throat> you think he used a quill for that? Uh I don't know. Um <laughs> anyway, I don't <laughs> All right, we'll move on. Jeez. All right. Uh right, so hegemony. What is hegemony? Well, you might think it's often the like when you first hear it, it might come to mind that it's some, something to do with whatever is like in charge or in control. Like people talk about America having hegemony over the world because they have the most powerful military, so they sort of dictate uh, what happens. But really, hegemony is less about your physical power, like your power of force. And it's more about the power of culture and thought. I see. That's what hegemony is really about. Culture, thought, ideology, worldview, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So like Western, and, Western culture, uh, well, America is kind of the leader of Western culture in a lot of ways, is it not? Yeah, in a lot of ways it is. Um and like even, yeah, even Western culture and then Western culture has an influence on the world. But yeah, if, th- if you think about like uh, Hollywood, hugely influential culturally across the world, Hollywood movies are imitated everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Bollywood in India, like they, they take what they like about, they take a lot of influence from Hollywood, but then they give it their own spin too. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, how many different versions of The Office are there? There's like 13 different <laughs> versions of The Office. And they all are copying the American version. They're not copying the UK version. Yeah, interesting, eh? Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and yeah, like, they, like the yeah sitcoms, uh, I mean, music, rock and roll, jazz, rap. Like, so much of what is popular in modern culture is from America. Mm-hmm. And so it makes like America has sort of a hegemony of culture. Like it's the most dominant McDonald's is are everywhere. Stuff like that. Starbucks everywhere. Yeah. Uh, So when, when Gramsci, uh, Gramsci observed this and well, he didn't observe like what we're observing now, but he thought of hegemony as how the ruling social group, the ruling class controls the rest of society through culture. Okay. And uh, so they do that in order so that they don't have to use force. They man it's uh Noam Chomsky used the phrase manufacturing consent. So So you think this yeah. is a uh, kind of um pre-planned cultural shifts uh in order to get more control like that this isn't like a natural progression this is something that there's specific powers that be that are planning to consciously change the culture towards their own agenda yeah exactly so from gramsci's perspective right so he's in prison because he wasn't going along with uh the political 
norms that the state wanted people to go along with. He was a communist. Right. And it was, they had made it illegal to be a communist. And so he said that what the, the Italian state is trying to do is they're trying to use these laws about what sort of beliefs you can have to change people, to make them into the right sort of Italians so that they consent to being ruled by the ruling class in Italy at the time. See, my first reaction is like, why is it illegal to be a communist, right? Like, how, why would you, why, how can anyone <laughs> well, be put in jail for their beliefs? But then immediately my next thought was some people believe it's okay to murder. So it's like. Well, yeah, yeah. Co- communists, like, I mean, communism is very radical. It, it says there's no such thing as private property. Right. So if you're a wealthy person, you are immediately no 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 no. We're not doing that. Well, you don't have to be wealthy. You just have to have something you really like having. <laughs> right? Yeah, but like wealthy people are are powerful. They yeah. they tend to be more powerful because they have money. Mm-hmm. So why is communism illegal? Gramsci would say, well, because the ruling class in Italy are wealthy people and they want to keep their wealth. And so they're going to make it illegal to, uh, you know, believe in a political doctrine or promote a political doctrine that would take away all their money. Right. So, but but then the question is, okay, so how do they, how do they avoid a revolution? Because they're always going to be, because they're going to be exploiting people, right? So this is this is Gramsci thinking, like, how do they avoid? Why aren't why aren't we always revolting against them? Because clearly, it's a we're 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 the suckers in a suckers game, and they're they're making all the money off of us. And he thought the way they do it is not just with force, because force isn't enough. What they no. do is they they control all the mechanisms of society for changing what people believe. They control the church, they control the newspapers, they control the schools, they control all the public intellectuals, and they use them to promote their worldview. A worldview that justifies their own power. So the people start absorbing all of this from the church, from intellectuals, journalists, education, and they start to consent to being ruled by these people because they think it's for their own good or because they deserve it. It kind of makes me feel like there's like two very powerful attempts at this coming from two opposite sides right now in uh, Western culture or American culture, mostly I would say uh, between Hollywood and the church, essentially like left versus right. Uh, Mm -hmm. So Hollywood saying one thing and the church is vehemently against it. Um, And they're both way extreme. I feel like are so far on each other's sides that it's, it should be ridiculous to anyone just watching it. Are you talking about the Little Mermaid? <laughs> Not specifically, no. But it is a very like I watched. Um, what was it? It was called uh, Strange World. It's like a new Pixar movie. It was nothing. Okay. There's nothing I did. I mean, it wasn't bad, but there was literally every single uh, type of minority you can think of was shoehorned into that fucking movie. I swear to God. And that's every- why it was called Strange World. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but it felt it, it, it didn't, it felt like, um, 
it felt like like the creators were trying very hard to be as fucking diverse as possible and 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 it's like overrepresentation i don't know if that's a like a I don't know if it's a bad, I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily, but it was very, it, that movie specifically was like very, very, like every single character is a minority of some sort. Everyone's mm-hmm. gay or bi or non-binary or an amputee. <laughs> like It was just very fucking diverse. I won't say ever. There was actually two, there was a few characters that were like your typical, I guess, uh, uh, straight person. Um, but that was the first movie where I was like, whoa, they're like, they're checking off every single box they possibly can with this one. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a good, yeah. Pixar is a great example of that. Um, Pixar definitely tries to communicate like a worldview through its movies. Like, uh, uh, what was it? There was like, there was one where it was, what if the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs missed and humans and dinosaurs evolved sort of in parallel, but dinosaurs were smarter than we were. This is a movie that's out, but we didn't. Yeah, yeah, this was out. This is a Pixar movie. It came oh. out years ago. But uh, that movie is like a kids' movie, but it is it has evolution built into the story, right? And also built into the story is the idea that humans were actually not special or destined for greatness at all in fact our existence is just because a rock hit the earth 65 million years ago like that's the only reason we exist i can get Which, down like with totally that blows message. the doors off of like the christian uh yeah worldview that they try to indoctrinate which is the total opposite of that yeah so um, so gramsci would sorry sorry to, just to interject no, no, uh, so gramsci would say like who who is Pixar serving? Like he would say, Pixar isn't the ruling society. They're just an agent of some sort of social group that is trying to exert, the, they're trying to establish their own hegemony of thought through their movies. So who's mm-hmm. using Pixar to push this worldview on people? That's right. what he would want to know. Because for him, it's all political. It's all political. Yeah. And I think it's a good thing that they're like Pixar, like they, like you got to change, switch up the narrative from time to time, right? I mean, realistically, <laughs> it has been the church, white man's, straight white man's Christian views in every single piece of media for like 50 years, I feel like. More than yeah. that. Um, yeah. But like, so I'm not mad at things switching it up, but it is very obvious to me that some companies are, are are really checking off as many boxes as they can, as far as progressiveness, as uh, uh, diversity. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, you know, what was really funny. Uh, I think we talked about this once on the podcast, but did you ever see the movie? I think it was just called Noah with Russell Oh, the Darren Aronofsky? Um, Russell Crowe. No, that was, oh, Noah? Oh, hold on. Let me uh, let me do a little. Uh, 2014 film. Yeah, Russell Crowe, Emma Watson. Okay, so that movie made me <laughs> just yeah, Darren so, Aronofsky. It made me so it made me laugh so hard because it's about Noah, right? A boat, a Bible story, but in the end, there's a whole sequence of evolution showing evolution, and that's how it ended up to where Noah was. So it completely goes against the Bible in every way. And wow. I just imagined all the Christian youth groups that everyone had to like, you know, they bust, they bust the kids out to the theaters to see this new Bible. 
and they get slapped in the face with uh evolution and i just it just made me happy oh man the sweet sweet tears after that movie oh i'm sure (laughs) if you are i just have a hard time believing maybe not in like some southern states but like if i went to whatever youth group there is right now in Kelowna and asked around how many of them believed in a young earth i think it would be almost none yeah yeah i think that if they still identify with the bible it's as a uh it's more of a uh, metaphorical bible than a literal bible in their eyes i mean i'm sure you're gonna find some people that are like but i don't think it's very common uh where we live anymore do you i don't know in Canada, Christianity? oh, like no, it's, well, it's young on earth the Christian. I mean, young people being young earth Christians, like people younger than thirty. Oh, uh, way more common out west, I think. Oh, you think east. it's more common out, out where I am? Yeah, out, out east is way more the Christianity out east is more Catholic. And oh, right. The Catholic Church is. Uh, as we talked about in our earlier episodes with St. Augustine and uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, the Catholic Church is aligned with science, generally speaking. So they have no problem with evolution that. or an old universe. How do they, um, how do they, uh, what's the word? How do they merge the two in their heads? Uh, religion and a young earth. Like, I don't get it. How do you how do you do that? They don't take a literal reading of the uh, books of Genesis, and neither for that many for that matter do most practicing Jews. Most practicing Jews do not take a literal reading of the uh, the books of Moses. So the Protestants are the ones that are still hanging on to that that uh, narrative. Oh yeah, 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 definitely, yeah, yeah. Not I mean, even I, all the Protestants either. Just just for some reason, all the wackiest. Uh, Christians seem to be in the Western United States. Well, it all comes from that, um, the Toronto uh, blessing or whatever it was called. There's a whole podcast on it about this movement that started at this one conference in Toronto and it moved West over Canada mostly. And it, it, it like it uh, marinated in my church uh, that I grew up in. And it's like all the ones that are obsessed with like signs of miracles, speaking in tongues, uh, spiritual hearing, the ones that are blowing ram horns from and the <laughs> worship. And like, it's all about whipping people up into a feverish, uh, uh, like, uh, hysteria almost. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's where I grew up. So that's everybody in those churches were young earth Christians, miracle believing Christians, uh, like, really thinking that you need to be witnessing to people in the streets type of thing. Um, and that, that's not, that has only been a thing in Canada for like less than 50 years. Yeah. And yeah, I think it'll go away. I think it'll, I mean, it's going away. It is going away. Like I don't like, I mean the church I grew up in used to be, uh, packed every Sunday. Uh, and multiple times a week, that building would be packed with hundreds of people dancing and singing and crying and (laughs) saying that they're seeing gold dust from angels and feathers from angel wings, finding that on the ground and then freaking out speaking in tongues. I was right in there. I was loving it. I was a kid. 
it was like fucking Hogwarts for me. But uh, nowadays that church is not only is they have they dwindled down to like 30 members, the whole building's being demolished in the next year. So interesting. And it's Damn. been Whoa, yeah. they're demolishing it. Yeah. Holy shit. New Life Church. You know that one? Do you know the building? Yeah, on Spall. No, Springfield. Um, and I don't know what the road's called that it's on, but it's right on the highway. It's right on the highway. Yeah. It's the biggest building right in the middle of Kelowna, essentially. Okay, wow. Uh, but they have the wood fire bakery there, and I really am like freaking out that they're going to be evicted. I mean, they're going to be evicted. They have to demolish the whole building, so they better find a new spot for that place because I'm going to fucking literally, I don't know what I'll do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit some sort of act of violence. Wow. All right. Well, it's just a sandwich. No, I it's not, I always Sam. thought that place is overrated, to be honest. <laughs> are you? F- Where are you? Come here right now. I'll slap you in the face. <laughs> Goddamn. Eating cookies at 3 a.m. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Uh, okay. Where were we? I've never, I've Where never been so close. I've, honestly, I've never been so close to walking off a podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, they're great. Gramsci. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keep us on course. Let's go. All right, so Gramsci, uh, so he, to maybe to sum up, I can read a quote here uh, from Gramsci. This, so he's defining the state. The state is the thing that has hegemony. So the state uses hegemony as a... Uh, as a means to maintain its dominance over society. And hegemony is the medium through which it undertook a civilizing activity, functioning as an ethical state or educator by promoting a certain way of life for its citizens. So once the citizens start following this way of life that the state is promoting, then they are then through their then through their actions they and beliefs they start to consent to the state ruling them. Yeah. Just as we all consent to being ruled by the democratic state, not just because we're afraid of getting shot, but because we have or grant but because we sort of believe in it. We believe in that democracy is justified and the yeah. rulers are fairly elected and blah, blah, blah. We it's using, it's like using culture to do the heavy lifting of control over a population. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, exactly. And so how does the state do this? Uh, Gramsci thinks one of the most important groups to do this are the intellectuals. And so he, quote, he defines intellectuals as, quote, the dominant group's deputies exercising the subordinate functions of social hegemony and political government. So they are like the agents of the state. Hmm. The preachers of the state to spread the agenda. The state. That being said, uh, Jordan Peterson's coming to my town next week. What? Holy. (laughs) Are you serious? Oh my God. He's playing Prospera place, man. Prospera place. (laughs) I thought he was going to do the community theater or something. No, he's doing oh Prospera. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, we had Bert Kreischer. That seems like 15,000, 16,000 people. <laughs> we had Bert Kreischer on Sunday, what? and then the next we're getting George Are Peterson. You, oh, hey, wow. you know what's funny? You're going to get a lot of the same people showing up. 
Oh no, they they found Kelowna. <laughs> they found it. Yeah. <laughs> the right wing grifters have found Kelowna. They're coming Kelowna, in. <laughs> I feel like Kelowna is like. I know that technically it's mostly white right wing. It's just I don't run in any of those circles, so it seems so odd to me. Okay, yeah. I should I shouldn't say the right wing grifters because Bert Kreischer isn't a right wing grifter. I mean, what is he? He's I mean, a don't, he, <laughs> he's an, he's a famous alcoholic. <laughs> he's a famous alcoholic. He's literally famous for being an alcoholic. <laughs> he has been his entire life. <laughs> uh, Jordan Peterson has some makes some great points in his Twelve Rules for Life. Yeah, I think that he's gone a little <laughs> bit uh, off the deep. Uh, with his fame, yeah, I think his, his psychology books are are really good. I think um, I've never read any of them, but I, I like I haven't listened to him t- uh, on a podcast or anything in in years, and he, he's so it's like from what I remember him being like when I first started listening to him, and to the last thing I've heard him on, he's it seems like he's become extremely. Uh, like almost like it feels like he feels like he's the chosen one to like lead people mm. out of the woke. Well, he signed. Okay. Well, actually fire. this is a perfect, I'm so glad you brought him up because he is actually a perfect example of an intellectual who is like a deputy or an agent well, of that's a why I brought, That's why I brought him up. Yeah. Because, perfect. It's uh, perfect. So he, he, you know, he recently signed a, a deal with this group called the daily wire. You do you know the daily wire? I know of it. I know they do a lot of work with like Ben Shapiro and whatnot. Yeah, Ben Shapiro's in the Daily Wire. I think it's his, he is the Daily Wire, I think. And then the Daily Wire itself is, I don't know if it's owned or financed by, but it's financed by like billionaires. I think the Koch brothers. Oh. Or like these American billionaires. Right. And they finance the Daily Wire to some extent. And it makes a ton of money on its own, obviously. Through ads, right? That Matt, that Matt, yeah, through ads, podcasts. Uh, that Matt Walsh guy, what is a woman? He used from the Daily Wire, I think. Um, so they're like raking in tons of money. And they yeah. are literally intellectuals who get paid by a dominant group. In this case, uh, I think it's a conservative group to promote that group's the way of life, the beliefs, the ideologies that they... Uh, want to promote? Yeah. Um. So and, and, and get like, people I'm, to believe. Yeah, and like, so what happens if, uh, say, Jordan Peterson has a belief that doesn't align with the Daily Wire, the the Koch brothers' uh, narrative? What happens? Well, then? yeah. This well, this was. I think this might have been the case with Stephen Crowder because he he was offered like a ton of money to sign with the Daily Wire. And one of the conditions was that he couldn't uh, get, he would lose money basically if he got banned from YouTube for, or like banned from YouTube or wherever he was trying to put out his show for saying something against their community guidelines or terms of service or something. Oh, so they're like, you cannot say anything that'll get you banned from YouTube. Yeah. Don't use the N word on YouTube. Well, <laughs> we can't have a deal here, buddy. <laughs> and yeah, Stephen Crowder knows that that's sort of his thing is saying stuff that might get him banned. So yeah, I mean, his whole to... thing is to uh, his his, his 
uh, gimmick, even more so than uh, Ben Shapiro, is just pissing off the left wing people. Like, yeah, saying stuff that he might not even really believe himself. If it, as long as it pisses off the left, he's happy. Yeah, yeah. So he uh, he cannot be bought by these dominant groups. He's too much of a wild card. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe, but uh, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, they're they're happy to take the check. Because they understand what they're doing. They understand that they are agents of a dominant group that wants to establish hegemony. Mm-hmm. And I always find it creepy when they bring their kids in, in on it too. Like Jordan Peterson's daughter is like, has like millions of followers too. And her own podcast where she talks basically just covers the same talking points that her dad does. Yeah. Um, but she's like this hot blonde chick that's like, uh, looks like she's plucked right out of Fox News's anchor room. Oh, she'll be there. <laughs> you think so? Eventually. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. That's what this is all about. Fox, yeah. That's what, and, and so like, it's to be fair, we should do this to pe- someone on the left too. Like, because the thing is like, this is also true on the left. There are intellectuals who are agents of, a certain dominant group. Yeah. I'm trying to think of an example on the left that is really uh, famous. Like on John the, Stewart, on, I would say John Stewart for sure. Oh, John Stewart. That's a good point. Is he considered yeah. an intellectual though? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, he's like a, he's an intellectual. I mean, he's not like an intellectual, like Jordan Peterson is an intellectual, like mm-hmm. professor at Harvard PhD. I mean, he's not going around doing speaking tours and fil- like he's not selling out prospera places. Right. And like, and like, just no, talk- but he like, he has like a, he has his Apple show where he like, it, it is like a funny show, but he's trying to engage seriously with, with topics. So he's like a, he's not a, like maybe an intellectual, but he's still someone who is out there like with a platform that can communicate to the masses and he has a political worldview that he is, you know, fighting for mm-hmm. in front of them and promoting. Is it, is it just me or is it, is it, I find that people like, like uh, the Jordan Peterson, Stephen Crowders and the uh, Ben Shapiro's, uh, the, uh, the people that are like talking pieces for the right wing, are they just really not good at comedy? Cause I feel like all the best comedy comes either from the center or the left, the center. And as soon as you go that far, right, like it's just becomes really corny shit, hmm. like bumper sticker level comedy. Like Jeff Foxworthy, you know, you're a redneck if, well, blah, blah. I mean that is that right wing. No, I don't think so. Um, Jeff Foxworthy's last special was garbage. What uh, really, oh. dude? It the entire. It's all I call it back in my day comedy. It was all about how things used to be before cell phone. Now you can just go ba 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 boo. But we had to go ba 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 ba. That's the whole special. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you know he just thought of that and he's like, wow, I can write a whole hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just doing that. <laughs> just with this structure. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> and a lot of a lot of older comics fall back on that shit. Um, mm like you know 60 plus makes, years i mean eventually the world is just so different that's all you can, yeah that's all you can talk I mean, about you got to try and stay up with the the the, the recent uh i don't know i don't fucking know i try to make comedy that's <laughs> timeless sam okay <laughs> um difficult but like i'm just trying to think of like like the one guy i'm thinking of that went really hard in the conspiracy theories and stuff and is used to be, I used to think was funny and like 
it's almost like he has become a parody of what comedy is supposed to be is uh fucking um <sighs> Jim Brewer. Did you see oh, his performances yeah. at like all the anti lockdown uh, uh, conferences? And then he pro- performed at like the uh, Republican National Convention. Um, it's yeah, really like, uh, fucking yeah. bad. <laughs> like, it's really fucking bad. Yeah, he's something's up. He, he's uh, he has a lot of energy. He's very animated. Yeah. I mean, go watch it. It's really bad. I guess I watched. Uh, I watched. You know what? Every time I watch a Netflix special from a comedian that's older than forty-five, I just I just assume the first twenty minutes will be bitching about woke culture. I just assume <laughs> that, and it's always it is always what happens. It's all bitching <laughs> about woke culture for the first twenty minutes before they get into any sort of like just general comedy. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. The world changed a lot in the last. 20 years it last 10 years changed a lot but like when when something's hack it's fucking hack and it's it hack. is hack at this point even with people so in like my own comedy scene as soon as they start talking about like complaining about the wokeness of society it's like we have heard every fucking angle on this take <laughs> every single possible angle has been done it's not even I, that i disagree with everything you're saying it's just fucking write something about something we haven't really like let's try and bring something new to the table for god's sake mm-hmm. well it's uh it's not going away because this woke thing is like a perfect example um again of hegemony yes woke is or like so people who are thinking like gramsci is thinking people on the right they seem to be think ironically they seem to be thinking like an italian communist it's ironic but they People do seem on the to right think, or the left on the right. They they're employing. I think they are. I think they accept whether they know it or not. I think they believe in hegemony as Gramsci is defining it. Um, he was actually more. He was a very democratic communist, which we can, we'll get to in a second. But um, so the woke is like a hegemony in that it's like a worldview, and you adopt this worldview, and then you consent to. Um, the dominant group ruling you in this case, it would be a sort of left, a left of center democratic kind of government. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And so, and so the right cannot accept that because that's not the, they don't want people to consent to that. They, in fact, they want a lot of that to not be, you know, allowed at all. So they have to, go in the complete other direction and try to attack it at all times. It's like a war of ideology to control yeah, people's I mean, worldviews. It's exactly what's happening right now. It's two yeah. people. They're all, it's a tug of war and it's the, the tension on the rope is, has been so taut for what seems like at least 15 years now. It got real taut when uh, Trump got into office. Um, and uh, is that rope going to break? Is it going to snap? Yeah. Uh, well, either way, whoever, um, whoever, it, whenever it snaps, it'll be. That's when hegemony ceases to be important, and that's when it becomes all about force. Yeah, that's when the uh, violence starts. Uh, Caleb Campbell put it in a, gr- a great way one time on his podcast. Uh, it was like a chasm opened up, 
and then everybody that was in the center had no choice but to jump to the left or the right um, mm. because there was yeah. no footing left in the center. Um, and it feels like that kind of is true. Maybe not as true as uh, I still think a bulk of people that I meet day to day are somewhere in the middle, right? They, like how many people really do you interact with that are super, super woke or super, super mega? Mm-hmm. Very few in, in my life. Anyways, it's probably way more that once you go down in the States, but. Yeah, it's way more intense in the States, I would say. Yeah, because you get people that are kind of woke and kind of MAGA, but not nothing like to the point where it's like, ugh, get away from me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, it's uh, it's coming to that point, but hopefully, hopefully not. I think it'll be okay in the end. I think so, too. I think that the, <laughs> the, 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 the I mean, it's just annoying. It's really annoying. It's like it's like we're just getting beaten over the head with the same bitching and moaning about the same subject over and over again. But I will say it's a disaster what the some of the legislation that's coming out of this climate, um, at least down south. Um, I really got to yeah, stop well, looking at America as like a, a precursor to what's going to happen in Canada because that's not always the case. Yeah, well, the thing is like you have to like what they're doing, like with like passing laws and stuff like that is part of the, the manufacturing of consent, as they would say, like, how do you get people to agree to um, like the, maybe you could like take like the, like gay marriage was one thing, right? So on the, on the, on the right, they would say, look, peep, they manufactured consent for this by like brainwashing people into thinking that God doesn't exist and mm-hmm. evolution is real and you can decide, you know, who you want to have sex with. But they, that was just like, they, so they manufactured people's consent. They lied to them and got them to agree to something that wasn't real. So now we have to do the same thing to them and we have to attack this whole woke idea, get rid of that. And then they'll consent to our vision of society in which, uh, you know, gay marriage is not 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 illegal. People will be happy with that because we'll persuade them about our worldview is the correct one. It's so funny to me that the word woke has become like such a politically charged word that they're literally using it in their attack ads. Like it's all about taking down wokeness. It's, it's like, yeah, it's brilliant. Like, it's like if a, you, it's if like, you a, like ask someone from twenty years ago, they wouldn't even understand what the fuck they're talking about. No, it, well, it's because they've gotten like tech. Not only has technology advanced, but political parties' understanding of how to manu- like create a worldview and get people to buy into it that has advanced a lot too. And you don't realize it because it's not like a course you can take in school, but there's it's like a whole science. And it's do you it's think just been like on steroids through the internet? Do you think that um, in 20 years from now, the young people are going to be uh, either like in 20 years from now, you go up to any sort of, so anyone, so 15 year old in 20 years, so they're five right now. And then when they turn 15, do you think those group of that group of individuals or that group of the population are going to be 
extremely woke or extremely, uh, I guess, right wing uh, MAGA type people? Or do you think they're going to kind of like this is kind of like the the boiling over and then it's going to kind of calm down and everybody's going to kind of simmer out a bit. And by that time, those people are voting age. They're not going to be super, super one way or the other. Like, do you think we're in a in a in a in a period of time where things are very tumultuous, but it will eventually just fizzle down a bit and people won't be so, so uh, passionate about uh, wokeness or MAGA-ness or whatever? Oh man, I don't know. If I could tell you that, I'd probably be investing in a lot more stocks. (laughs) (laughs) To me, it seems like it's a, it's a, uh, it's a unsustainable fever pitch, a bubble that needs to burst at some point. Oh yeah. The tension is too much. It's like, like, it's like the, the fucking, the, the, the tug of war thing. Like, is it gonna, is it gonna, is the rope gonna snap and there'd be like some sort of, version of a second civil war or is the rope going to just slowly turn to rubber, you know, and just kind of slack down in the middle. Ah, oh, man, you know, I don't know. I, th- I kind of think like, like January 6th was a great example where things boiled over mm-hmm. to a huge extent. And then since then, nothing really like things were pretty wild while Trump was president. There yes, was that, was, that was election time, right? So it, it, it could just be another, you know, whenever. Once That's election... when things kind of seem like they boil over around elections. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the boiling over that happens in this next election is going to be more dramatic? Well, I, I don't I, know. I, well, I, I mean, I, I'm uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and then I forget who else was doing it. They were, they were, they floated the idea of states sort of separating like a national divorce was what they called it. Yeah. So. I think, I, I think even her, even people on the right are looking at her and Lauren Boebert, like they're absolute fucking morons. They have to be right. I mean, that's how you look at them. But again, I would say, or like with a, from Gramsci's perspective, like they, they seem like morons and maybe they are morons, but what, but they are really loud morons. And they say Got things. They right. they say what they are told. When they're told to say something, they say it. Whoever their, whoever their handlers are, right? And and they are again. They are mechan- They are agents of their political party, which is trying to push a worldview on people. And oh. if the if that worldview is served by severing certain states out of the union, like making a, like a southern republic or something, where they all have the same laws and. They all like their neighbors because they're the same color. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe that could work. Maybe that could work. Oh, like a separation? Yeah. Like, hey, okay, let's stop this nonsense. This is red. This is blue. Everyone who's blue can move here. Everyone who's red can move here. And our laws <laughs> are not going to interfere with each other's laws. Yeah, I mean, it honestly, like that, that seems like it might end up happening. The problem because, is, like, I guess, these, because like, you got you got lots of these states where the big cities are all blue, but the, everything around them in the in the rural areas is all red. So now, what are you going to do? Evict the rural areas or evict the fucking cities? Well, yeah, like think about it. Like they're doing it. They did it with abortion, right? Like there's no federal abortion right anymore. So basically, if you're if you're a, a liberal woman you are probably not going to want to live in a state where there's no abortion. Yes. 
Like that's just the way you will probably be. So yeah. that's just like a way that they they pass this law, and it's like immediately you like expel everyone who doesn't subscribe to your worldview out of your state. Like they just leave of their own accord because they don't consent to being ruled by you. Yeah, I know, and, and it's like obviously not everybody can afford to move. Um, that's true, yeah. but but that that's that's the reason they're doing that. I honestly think. Like oh yeah, I think wanna... they're gonna they're gonna make their laws so repulsive to anyone on the left yeah. that yes. they're gonna have no choice but to move. Essentially, yes. And you could even argue that the the woke. Uh, the more extreme woke stuff is like the same thing, but in the other direction. You could all, you could argue that as well. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sure that I kind of think that is what's happening. They're going so far <laughs> woke that they want anyone who's on the right to fuck off, right? Yeah. The culture war is being fought by both sides. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that I don't think anyone on the far left or far right are are making sense um, completely. But yeah, we I do just, think we, we need to know who are they serving? Who are their who are they the agents of? Gramsci wants to know. In Gramsci Italian in his Italian prison, he wants to know. <laughs> Gramsci will have his answers <laughs> in this life or the next. All right. Well, I think that's good for a podcast. How, how do you feel? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Did you get to the points you wanted to? Make? You sound very disappointed with what we've done today. I think I could have explained it better, but that's okay. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. People forget what we talk about immediately after turning the podcast off. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I still have not gotten into my uh, email, and I, but I also haven't gotten any uh, emails to my personal email. So what's the loss? Um, Maybe I'll, I'm going to check and try and get into the old email tonight. Anyways, uh, we will talk to you next week by the next episode. So not necessarily this episode, but the next one for sure. I will have an album out called the funny thing about cancer available at George Strauss comedy.com, uh, by donation, 20% goes to the Terry Fox foundation. And, uh, it's a 22 minute story about my wife's cancer journey. And it's funny. I listened to it yesterday and I said, this is funny. Um, so, uh, yeah. Anything you want to announce, Sam? Uh, no, I don't think Why don't so. Why you shout no, out no. that cookie shop? What's that cookie shop called? Oh, hold on. Let me, let me Google it. Um, cookie store. Uh, midnight cookie. Uh, they, their whole gimmick <laughs> is it's a nighttime bakery. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Big city, big city Midnight stuff. Midnight cookie. Yeah. All right, that's our podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Welcome to the Philosopher's Stone.